Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Adam Knight, or as he is more affectionately known, Big Adam from Coconut Marketing. So Coconut Marketing, for those of you who don't know who they are, um, they're a marketing company working within the franchising industry, and they've helped franchises secure about £21 million worth in new franchise fees, and that's across 803 franchisees recruited. This comes from over 77,000 leads that they've generated and about 2.4 million Google ad clicks. Pretty impressive stuff. So I guess what I'm saying here really is that Adam and the team know their stuff in the franchising world, but Adam hasn't taken the traditional route into running a marketing business as we find out in this episode. Now, I mentioned franchise leads there, and I've read in the past that most franchise recruits were contacted within the first four hours of making an inquiry. I imagine it's the same for many businesses. You need to engage with clients or customers at the point where they're most interested in your brand, service, or product before they decide to go somewhere else and potentially lose interest. But what if you're unavailable or busy working for another customer or client when a lead comes in? Well, this is where our sponsors for today's podcast, Symphony, come in. So Symphony is an outsourced customer support service for franchisors, franchisees and other businesses, helping you to focus on growing your business while they take care of your calls, emails and web chats. Basically, they're there to help you and your business respond to customers and clients at the point where they are most interested in your service or product, even if you aren't available or you're busy working for another client. By letting Symphony take the strain, their team of customer service experts will respond to your customers' inquiries and questions quickly and accurately while keeping them happy and coming back for more. Their expertly trained team provides live chat, email response, social media management and phone call handling 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, meaning you'll never miss an opportunity. To find out more about Symphony and their services for franchisees and franchisors, make sure you visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised all right so this is another episode where i got to meet the person face to face in this studio and i've got to say it's a real pleasure adam was such a, a really lovely guy to meet face to face and um yeah have a chat just even before and after the the, the episode it the conversation continued but during this recording anyway there seemed to be a, a sort of thread going throughout of symbiotic relationships Um, And I loved Adam's advice for aspiring franchisees at the end. So make sure you listen out for for both of those things and enjoy it. And I'll catch you on the other side. So, Adam Knight, welcome to the Disenfranchised. How are you doing today? Uh, Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, Ed. Fantastic. Good to hear. And um, it's very nice to have you here in the studio and and uh, meet you for the second time now, isn't it? We met at the Franchise Social, I think, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's some. I've been really looking forward to this, actually. It's not very often that I'm, I was going to say I'm allowed out, but I think it's, it's not very often <laughs> that I allow myself out to actually get out and do things that are a bit different and challenging and things like that. So I think this could be quite cool. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's good because um, yeah, obviously uh, the other Adam, <laughs> he's always the one um, out there on on social media and um, videos and yeah. at networking events and things like that. So um, yeah, yeah everyone, it's, it's nice to see you. Yeah, no, that's cool. Thank you. I do. Yeah, it is. Everyone loves that. He's um, he's a really lovely, 
a really lovely guy. It's not it's not like I've got a, a whole raft of stories that could bring him down or anything like that. <laughs> he's um it's really no, I think someone did ask me that the other day. They were just like, oh, he's so good on camera. He's like he's always when he's at networking events, he's just like he's off just like small talk chat and everyone knows everyone's names where they went on holiday all this kind of stuff which is like he's the sort of antithesis of me really um but um i can't remember somebody said something like like he must like he must be he must lose his temper he must, he must be grumpy sometimes and it's like rather depressingly not he's just he is as nice and as personable and all of that kind of stuff in real life it's quite depressing really but um no he's he's lovely excellent so Let's get going with these questions then. And um, like I do with everybody, I want to start off by finding out what was your very first job? Uh, I think paper round was the first thing I was paid for. Uh, it didn't last for very long because it was quite hard work for almost no money. Yeah. And I think almost at that point, I'd sort of worked out that I was basically unemployable. Um, but it took me a few more years after that to, to get to that point. Um, but um, yeah, it was a paper round. And then uh, I did it for about two months and I then broke my arm playing football. And then obviously I probably could have carried on doing the uh, paper round, but I decided at that point I really didn't want to for two peer paper or yeah, wh whatever it was. Career over. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, that was, it was a, it was a paper round. Fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of people do um, do that as their first job, don't they? Uh, I somehow managed to escape that one, despite living <laughs> it's not, in a village where it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Excellent. So you, you mentioned there that you're you found out that you are unemployable. Talk, talk me through that. How did you get to sort of that realization and, and what well, sort get, of jobs get, were you going through? Yeah, get, getting uh, getting sacked from a number of jobs. I think probably was one of the main indicators that I wasn't probably suited to being employed. Um, I think it was more that I so I didn't do very well in school. I am. Um, for, for quite a long time, I was lying on my CV about how well I did at school because I thought I had five GCSEs, but I actually only had four. It was only when we were going through all my certificates when we were doing some admin stuff at home. My other half was like, you do realise you've actually only got four. Um, so I didn't, yeah, school didn't really suit me very much either. Um, but as a consequence of that, obviously, there wasn't a massive kind of well-paying, really good jobs to go into. So um, I think I, I've done pretty much every kind of bottom level job that there's possible to have uh in and around Andover so right. kind of I was a driver's mate for a, a few weeks I blew the leaves off the pavements with like a leaf blower for the little man to come along with his little like brush truck or whatever it's called sold flowers on a flower stall worked in McDonald's worked in Tesco's uh yeah did lots and lots of, like everything that were loading and unloading lorries like just pretty soul destroying sort of clock watching type yeah. uh, type things um so i kind of fairly quickly worked out over a couple of years that that wasn't i say fairly quickly over a couple yeah. of years there wasn't a lot of choice <laughs> quickly, there wasn't a lot of choice and this was also like slight i wouldn't say it was pre-internet but internet was a very different was a very different landscape at that point so like it wasn't like you could just go and teach yourself how to do stuff and set up a business like yeah you know very very easily um so I uh, I think I, there was one particular agency. I think it was a deco. I'm not sure if they're around yeah. anymore. But um, I, I went into a deco and I was just kind of like, look, I'm actually really good with computers. Can I do the aptitude test to get an office job? Because I was really fed up with being, you know, out and doing like, you know, night shift, loading and unloading lorries, all that kind of stuff. 
and they said um they kind of said, they basically said no and it took me about two months of doing i basically said look i'll do whatever job you give me every single day if i can if you will let me do and they said look if you do that for a couple of months because obviously i'm really tall and pretty, even then i was like reasonably strong i thought they just thought right he's he's you know he's he, we could just put him in the physical jobs and that's great. Like he'll lump, just, he can yeah, like stuff he'll go and do those things. things. Yeah. Um, so I'd say I did the two months and um, kind of did all those horrible little jobs in between. Well, horrible to me anyway. I'm not sure, not, not everybody thinks of them like that, but I, I didn't enjoy them. Um, so I did the office attitude test and got 100% on all of them. And then the next day I was in at Lloyd's TSB in their pension review unit, like running through pension scheme stuff. And it was still like a lot of admin, a lot of data entry, but it was it was actually using a computer rather than kind of physical manual things. So that was the kind of first time I had a job that wasn't just kind of graph, like hard graft. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, although, and I do, I do sort of, I, I have some misgivings about the job I did there because what then started was a, a quite a long period of me doing myself out of jobs by either reworking or figuring out better ways of doing things to the point where my usually temp job because obviously this was a temp agency a deco the the sort of temp job didn't exist anymore because i sort of either made things better or improved things and so like with the pension review stuff like i i found that there was a particular like archive department in some government place that actually had all of these little scheme booklets this is really boring pension stuff but like if you didn't have the scheme booklet and you were doing a review of whether someone was missold or not you had to use this quite generous uh kind of default Right. So they wanted the so Lloyd's wanted the booklets because it meant that they would not have to pay out so much money. Now looking back on it, I now feel horrible that I was so good at that job because <laughs> I found so I found loads and loads and loads of booklets and basically saved Lloyd's loads of money, but then meant that a whole load of people that were missold pensions got less money. So that was another lesson in my I don't really like working for big corporations type in you know, businesses that sort of have their own balance sheets as yeah, the sort of it's interesting would you say that you that's where you started to realize you had more skills than you thought you had if you see what i mean like oh yeah because yeah. i did i i didn't because obviously school hadn't gone well so i didn't really think i had any skills or because like, even now like my you know my maths is rubbish my english is rubbish like i yeah. like you know i'm not rubbish but I like I didn't come out of that situation or come out of school and then I got kids out of college twice as well for basically just not really going and not engaging with the whole thing yeah the, um the, it's interesting the reason I asked is because um I think it was similar for me so instead of moving around loads of jobs I just stayed in one job for eight years that was a glorified manual laborer basically mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I got into the office environment with a large corporate company doing recruitment that I realized actually I had some skill with sales and, and marketing and, and things like this and, and interacting with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of opened my eyes to some some other possibilities really, which I, I yeah, I gave it, I guess it gave me a little bit of confidence. And actually the, the more people I've spoken to, they've all had similar kinds of backgrounds where they've, uh, the entrepreneurial people anyway, have started up their own mm -hmm. fran you know, businesses and turned them into franchises. They've come from similar kind of backgrounds. Maybe they're, they've got, um, dyslexia or they they had a start where really they weren't going through degree to this to this yeah professional career and um there must be something in that right I, I i think so i just i i think it's until until you i mean so the one thing i can do sort of reliably and uh and has quite a lot of value to it 
is I can go at a problem and not even really know very much about it at all. And e and even in and amongst, so I, I now obviously with, you know, the technology side of things, like do a lot with software and coding and things like that. In the last, you know, three or four months, I've sort of come up with some solutions technically to some really complicated coding things. And it's not that I don't, like I do understand the sort of context and everything that's going on underneath the hood, but not to the same degree as some really, really very clever people that are also working on those things. And to put it in context as well, you know, they've done all this brilliant genius stuff up to like this level. And then there's just one bit that just can't, won't quite work or it doesn't quite go together. And I think the thing that I can do is just kind of look at all of those variables in a problem and almost just sit there and try every single different combination of things. Whereas most people just kind of go like, oh, can't, like, you know, this is too hard. This is going to take too long. I'll just go, well, we've got to find a way. There must be a way of doing it. And then just kind of sitting down and back, like just banging my head against a wall for hours, days, weeks, trying to come up with a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and obviously the more you do that, the better you sort of tend to get at being able to figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work and all those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, so you're so. a problem solver. And I think there should be like a job title like with, with that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I think it is one of the most valuable things in an organisation is people that solve problems. Because mm. typically the people that tend to go into management, they're the people that have got um problem solving abilities and the ability to communicate that those solutions with other people yeah so, i think i think it, i think it's like in hr world i think there's is it soft skills i think they're sort of that they put into the blood sort of category yeah, of and it. i think it is that and i and i think communication is a big part of that because you do need to you need to be able to kind of extract everything out of the relevant people's brains to be able to do it and get all the context and nuance and background and everything to a particular situation and then look at the actual kind of variables of what you, what you can do with that. You know, is it data related? Is it is there a thing like telephone calls that need to happen or do they need to happen at a particular time? Or like, is there scheduling issues? Like there's, there's you know, a multitude of different things in, in any of these kind of like usual like business problems. But not only do you have to sort of get the communication on the inside of it, on inputs, you then once you have sort of come up with a solution and that solution usually will involve some sort of change and this is the other the, the the other thing that about the other Adam that isn't that that it, he isn't necessarily lovely or brilliant with is that he hates change. Honestly, if the BBC football section ever changes like its design and layout, <laughs> honestly, like for two days oh, he'll wow. be in a in, it'll be in the right mood. But that's also really great because the opposite side to that thing is that actually he and like most people they do like to know what's going on and they know, like to they like to have a routine and they like things to work. So the, there's another, the other, the opposite side to the sort of problem solving is right now we know how the, we, we need, we're going to fix the problem. How do we now actually implement that? Because we're going to need to get people to change what they do, which is, I think, in the business context, is one of the hardest things. Whether it's you're trying to get customers to change the way that they do things by introducing your product or service, or internally if you're trying to get people to change their processes and the things they do every day, that can also be really hard. So it's kind of the I'd say I want to say that's my skill. It's not really a skill, but I think it's that it's it's that mechanism where I think I've that's what I can actually do. Yeah. Um, but you do also then need because what I'm conscious of as well is that there is is you know there's the, a business is usually a machine. And the thing that really interests me about franchising as well, and particularly when we first got involved, so me and Adam have been in uh, been been a part of Coconut for I think seven seven and a bit years. Um, the thing that really fascinated me was that you you have the normal sort of business machine 
that sort of everybody has, although the, obviously the structure of that tends to be a little bit different to say, you know, a big corporation that's trying to open lots and lots and lots of outlets. Um, but it's just the, the, the nuances of that machinery. So the, the head office machinery and the way that has to work and how there's such a large part of sort of recruitment and then kind of business maintenance or I think um, facilities. Facilities, yeah. It's like there are certain really core parts of what a big corporation is, but franchising tends to sort of actually, when you get down to it, actually really focuses on those areas because they're doing those critical roles usually for the whole network or at least getting all of the infrastructure and the sort of planning and information um, pulled together in a in a you know an easy to use and adopt way for the people that are obviously then coming in and being part of their network. Um, so from my point of view of like problem solving, that's that was great because it was there was a whole load of stuff to get my teeth into in terms of you know the people that coconut were working with and although coconut obviously focuses on marketing and when we first were involved it was much more just recruitment marketing whereas it's now kind of expanded much more into the it's still recruitment marketing is a is a, a real big solid piece of the the kind of the mix of things that we're doing um but the the sort of broader marketing of the business as a whole we now do specialize and especially in the digital uh, you know, Google ads and Facebook ads and Twitter and LinkedIn and all those kind of things, wherever their potential audience are going to be. So let's let's jump back a little bit to yourself and your career then. Okay. So when did, when, when did you first become self-employed and what, what was that business? Um, I think the first time, there were two stints. So I think the first time I did it, I had been made uh, redundant from a little telecoms company Um and a friend of mine previous to that a friend of mine was in a band and they needed a website and i had kind of i i did my usual like well it can't be that hard um bought a book on html and css and built them a website and they were pretty happy with it and people really liked it and thought it was really really good so i was like okay cool like maybe maybe this is the thing like maybe if it'd be if i could start my own little business doing this thing which was called i think i called it midnight media okay um, with a the night with my K being in yeah, the middle yeah, yeah. of it. So it looked a bit, it, it looked a little bit cheesy. Um, it's funny when you look back on these things at the time, you think it's like brilliant and like just looks like the best thing ever. And then you look back at it, you know, whatever it is, like 15 years later or whatever. And it's just like, oh my God. Um, that's the same as any like fashion sense at the time. You're like, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I was like, the fonts are just horrendous. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, that was the first thing. And I did that for a few years. Um, and to be honest, and I think this is again why being part of a, a team in a business machine is a good idea because what I was really bad at was admin and procedural things and invoicing and chasing money and all that kind of stuff. So I was very good at the creative bits and building websites and that kind of stuff, um, but not so good at all of the actual business admin processes um so that's why ultimately i had to kind of stop doing that because i essentially literally just ran out of money um i think my other half who had who had just decided to move jobs and then got pregnant and then had to kind of rescind her uh putting her notice in from her old job because obviously she'd lose all her maternity and all that kind of business that happened and then i was like yeah i can't i can't rely on my terrible admin to now sort of provide for yeah. my other half and my kid and myself. So um, so then I got a job uh, at a call center company because I'd done that a few times before. Um, you know, they, they're, they're like, um, it's like Moneypenny, I think do it in quite a lot in franchising. Like it's a company exactly like Moneypenny. Um, and um, which is funnily enough is where I met Adam. So Adam was the marketing manager, Adam Lovelock. Um, 
not that I need to say his surname, everyone bloody knows him. Um, <laughs> uh, so Adam Lovelock was the marketing manager there, um, but I was just in, in the call center. So I was doing the, you know, 350 calls a day. And again, that's pretty soul destroying. That's not a fun job. Like anyone who can sit and do that well is very like needs a medal like it is it's a very there, difficult there are people thing people that it suits I know, I know somebody um that i've worked with who yeah just loves doing that kind of thing yeah, I, yeah. i've done it and it's not, literally it's now it's there's me, nothing but... you could do you could offer me like well obviously i'm a realist i would yeah if you offered me 25 grand a month or something i'd consider <laughs> i'd consider it but short of that there's no way i'd do that sort of job again but but it did give me it sort of i met ad we played like i think i did i went and played like the uh, five-a-side football with them and got to know ad a little bit and we i'd sort of talk we talked to him i think our first little business together was a little it was websites but it was like a little wedding website thing so it's like if you were getting married you could basically set up your own little wedding website this was yeah. again way before like facebook or any you know you couldn't go on to john lewis and set up your you know, shopping list or anything like that, like it or wedding list. So it's a very specific little thing. I think it was called for all time. And that didn't do very well. That didn't work. And uh, no one, no one wanted to pay for that sort of thing at that point. Although it is a big business now. And we've met a couple of people who've done very, very well out of that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think we were a little bit ahead of the curve. But yeah, after the wedding website thing didn't um, sort of didn't pan out, we basically bought a, a, a license to use this particular bit of software which had like web hosting and email marketing and uh, like a little crm thing in it there's a whole bunch of little tools that were all sort of stuck together um and we we ended up doing marketing for a few different people and we sort of noticed that the email side of it was what was just working pretty well for everybody that did it it didn't cost a huge amount of money it was pretty you know there was a fairly simple kind of logic to how you go about doing it it was the time as well where it was sort of still at reasonably early internet so like the i mean Ema martin still works now to be honest pretty well compared to most yeah. different things but it at that point it was working really 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 well so we decided to then sort of double down on that and that's when we built astonish astonish email which was like a separate little business that we set up and that's still going and still has quite you know sent millions and millions of email campaigns and lots of people have used it over the years we've never had like the, the i think because a few people have been like oh great you've got a software thing and it must do really well and the the only issue with it is that when you when you're then when you do build something like that and you're competing against somebody like mailchimp or campaign monitor or any of these big marketing companies you know those guys spend like twenty five thousand dollars a day on google ads and things like that um we're just never in a position to do any of those things. And that all of the things that me and Ad have ever done, because um, actually my, so although it's on it's entrepreneurial stuff and most people do talk about that in a singular sense, like, and I did set up the website thing by myself, like everything that sort of then started to work and we got a bit of traction on was when me and Ad started doing sort of stuff together at, this, at, the, at the same time. Yeah, it's like completing the, the skill set, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not a fantastic salesman or <laughs> social, you know, I'm not great in social situations, which anyone that's ever seen me at like a BFA event will be able to testify to. Um, there's a reason why I generally stay behind the camera and don't talk in public, but um, I am trying to get over that uh, side of things. Um, but yeah, but Ad is obviously a much better, he's much better at just talking to people, networking, building relationships. Like he's just that, he's much more suited to these things. So um, I, I, have, I have the, the two of you then, who comes up with the ideas generally? Because it, it sounds like, you know, you've, you guys have, have chatted quite a bit and you've created, you know, business after business. 
Obviously, yeah. I know you're now into coconut, and we're going to talk about the next step after that in a second. Uh, but yeah, who's coming up with the ideas? I think is there, I think there's always been a little bit of a kind of symbiotic. I'm uh, oh, sorry, Andover pronunciation of that word. There's always <laughs> there's always been quite a symbiotic, I think, kind of way about it. So because Ad was obviously a marketing manager and did his degree in marketing, and then sort of all that marketing technology stuff, like you know, was had sort of come around. There was Salesforce and you know, MailChimp and HubSpot and like all of these different online services that you could use. So all of that was around and the business, so the business where we met and we were working in, obviously they were looking at technology and the guy that ran that business was was really into kind of automation and wanting to be able to kind of take advantage of all of these new things. So we were in and around that quite a bit. So quite a lot of our initial ideas along those things, whether it was websites or email or any of those kind of things where they were there and we were doing them. So I think the idea to build our own version i think was probably my idea but then as soon as it it but it's not like you know ideas aren't i know there's this whole thing about coming up with ideas and ideation and how do you do this and like what's the best way to get all creative with these things and i think having ideas is worthwhile and obviously it's something that's really really important like you need to have an uh, like an original idea to then it's a starting point you know the original idea of maybe we could build our own email thing to then the maybe year and a half between that and coming up with a first version, finding a clever developer to work with on it. Like there's a whole, you know, there's thousands of steps between those things. And I think that did require, like I'd never have been able to do that by myself and Ad would never have been able to do it by herself. And I think that we, we, I think we got to a certain level with any of the things that we did before Coconut where we kind of, I think we'd hit, hit it a couple of times where it was like the skills that the two of us had we couldn't go much further with that because one of the things we didn't we we've never had is money so i i came i you know both of us come from a pretty sort of working class background like i did go to university but like you know just like everybody else like neither of us have ever had um like huge amounts of startup money you know obviously when you do run businesses and you talk to other business owners um, particularly ones particularly male ones that are maybe 10 15 20 years older than i am i'm 41 um there's always a convenient lack of the property bubbles in the last 40 years that have actually helped to enable whatever their particular ideas were and um how those you know how that's aided them in their business setup and employing people so sort of everything to the point of me and ad getting involved in coconut was literally just me and him trying everything and scrabbling around and trying to make things work but i think we had got to a point and then the opportunity came up to become involved in coconut I think they'd had a few people leave and we just, I think we drove, I think we had a call the one day and then I think we drove up to Barnsley where they were based the next day. Obviously we we're based in Andover. I think it took about four or five hours. Yeah. I think on the way back the next day, it took like seven and a half or something. And I was like, we can't do this that often, but it just, it seemed like a perfect opportunity. And to be honest, I hadn't up to that point, I hadn't, I'd, we'd had a little bit of, interaction with franchising so in our email system we had um I i think it was a chain it was like financial advisors i can't remember the name of them off the top of my head but there was some financial advisors that were franchise and they had a real problem in that there they wanted their franchisees to do email marketing because it was really a really good thing to do um but they couldn't like but they would have franchisees then signing up for their own things and sending out emails with horrible fonts and 
you know, yeah. crappy clip art and like all that kind of stuff. They had no control over it. So we kind of said, okay, well, why don't we build a version of our system where you can create templates and you can lock certain parts so they can't change it and they can't change the font, but they can, you know, they can either go and just send the templates wholesale or they could go in and make some little tweaks if they wanted to. Um, and I think that's where Adam's, Adam then tried to focus some attention into franchising. So we obviously contacted various different marketing companies, one of which was Coconut. Um, so when this opportunity did come, come along a little bit down the line, um, for me, it was just a no brainer. And I, I actually, I hate that term no brainer because, you know, there was still quite a lot of thought involved, but it was just actually, this is a really good opportunity franchise. I, I was aware of franchising, but not to the, not to the proper degree. And to be honest, like if I think I, if I had been aware of franchising, I probably would have bought one several years before and none of this would have happened so maybe it was a good thing that i didn't know about it well, i i feel as i was listening to you speak then about the, the kind of relationship between you and the you know the other adam it kind of feels like um for a lot of people they've they are weighted to one skill set or another right aren't they? Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of stories that i've heard are when they work with somebody who's the the other side who takes over the other side and just through speaking to lots of people around the franchising industry, I mean, I realised that the franchise is almost like that second person, uh, if you know what I mean. So they can complement the skill yeah, sets yeah, definitely. That, that maybe you've got. And yeah, I've never thought of it as this kind of sentient being before, but maybe that's what it is, right? It's just the the other side of you that needs needs that support because I think actually um, I'm, I'm experiencing it myself. You know, there's gaps in what I'm doing in building out my business. Um, and what I'm realizing is it's very rare to be able to start a business on your own and have all the skill sets to be able to. Oh yeah. It's impossible. It's impo it yeah. It's impossible. Like it, it never, it never, it never happens. I, and I think there's, I mean, I think one of the things, one of the things hopefully that does come across about sort of coconut as a business is that we do like, we do try and do things a little bit differently. We do try to sort of be authentic and human and not some corporate machine that like just, you know machine like a machine that just works and churns out things like we 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 want to do things differently hence why we've done things like franchise fest and you know yeah um and now obviously sort of coming to um moving into software with um with franchise cloud like we've we've tried to do things a little bit differently and look at whatever the particular problems are in those situations um so i think that i think there's two points like this the first point is Definitely. And one of the key things between when we also were getting involved, when the opportunity came up to get involved with Coconut was obviously, I mean, Sarah, um, who uh, who founded the business 20, nearly 20 years ago. You know, she she was a very dynamic person. She had sort of really, uh, you know, created this brand around Coconut and what it did and, and all that kind of, you know, and did a phenomenal job, like everybody and it's one of the other reasons that why it was a really good opportunity because like everybody know like everyone in franchising knows pretty who coconut is pretty yeah. much pretty much everybody and then paul who's also he's still a director um that's not still a director paul's also a director with me and adam um you know paul has been in, worked in franchising for a long time worked at mac tools done very you know various different jobs like the the numbers of franchisees he got into mac tools was ridiculous over a you know relatively short period of time so he's you know, really effective really know really knows his stuff when it comes to franchising um his background was as a bank you know, he was a bank manager in that west so i'm terrible at admin yeah yeah <laughs> paul was a bank manager <laughs> perfect therefore and adds a great you know business development 
relationship manager, like all, all of those kind of things, like our particular, um, that mixture of sort of like, and now when it comes to ideas as well, like ideas can come from anywhere. And obviously we have, you know, we have a, a brilliant team of people too. So the ideas that might come up could come from anywhere and anybody. There's no, there's no play like it just because, you know, even one of, uh, you know, we outsource a few, uh, a few tasks. Like even if an outsourcer came, came back to us and said like, oh, I was looking at this thing and actually like, I think if you guys did this this way, maybe that would, maybe that would work. And we, I will take an idea from anywhere. And then it's just that practical, the practical bit of like, okay, cool. Like how, how could we take advantage of this? How do we work? Like, and then, but then rather than just my interpretation of it, it's actually add from your, from the business development side, how would that work? What are the considerations that we'd have to do? Like pull from the admin side, from the structural side, like how, yeah. do, so it is the key thing I think. And, and it is also, I think why franchising works so well is that you you're kind of you are also buying into having that structure around you i think you're from your point that you made earlier is 100 percent right like that is what people are buying and i think it's also why it's why coconut has always done really well on the franchise recruitment side because we do a we do a really kind of quite in-depth and l large piece of work when we first start working with people about like who is the ideal franchisee like who are the franchisees you've got like who who perform the best who who are just going at it hammer and tongs and give take any advice and any resources you give them and just run with it and then we basically try and kind of model that and find ways then to you know the marketing then comes in in terms of how can we try and find more of these types of people um although you do have to be careful because sometimes with with modeling I, I saw this brilliant example the other day where they sort of had a whole bunch of statistics up and it was like 70 there was like a male like 73 years of age uh sort of lives in this particular place lives in i think it was lives in a castle which kind of starts to give it away a little bit but like the two people were like ozzy osbourne and prince charles obviously now king charles yeah, yeah. um but they they were both like they demographically if you were to look at numbers and statistics and in terms of like marketing personas and that kind of stuff from a lot of categories they are you would treat them the same and obviously they are very 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 different people yeah, yeah. so you can't just go by demographics like there's a there's a whole nother level of kind of it could be psychographics i can't remember off the top of my head but that's that's i think why we are fairly good at what we do in that in those respects because we do sort of understand and can have a lot of consideration around those things it's not just like let's let's make a nice looking ad yeah, you know yeah. there, there is a whole kind of sub um, yeah, that's pretty cool. A whole sub level to it to go into that level because it's it's quite easy to sit there and learn a piece of software like um, campaign manager on LinkedIn or Facebook ads, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and just tick the buttons that you want. Yeah, and yeah. Just think, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, it's close enough. And yeah, yeah, and actually, it doesn't hit the right people at the right time. So not yeah, not not necessarily. Um, and I think that's where that, I mean, I mean, and, that, and also because we have seen over, you know, because like I said, me and me, Adam Paul have been involved for seven years, um, and we've seen a number of really big kind of agencies, usually via a Google partnership type arrangement as well, sort of come in to kind of franchising, and you'll see them with massive stands at the big events and stuff like that. Um, and the reason they do, the reason and they sort of come and then they go again because they'll outlay a bit of money. Google will help them because google's great google is really good like that if you're a partner and uh, responsible for spending a lot of money with them you, they yeah. do support you um but they just don't understand like they 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 don't quite understand it and it's not a parent child relationship in franchising 
well, I mean, technically it is, but it's there is a relationship where yes, they are. It's not just an office. Like there is, there is a there is a business owner. There is a very invested person in that business, and they're not just an employee. They're not just going to do exactly what the head office tells them to. Like some of them will. It's usually about twenty percent of them will basically just do what they're not do what they're told, but they'll just respect the kind of experience and everything that head office has. You will have a whole bunch of maverick type people who who like to do whatever they like to do um but um yeah so that that's why that doesn't always work out with those kind of bigger agencies coming in because there is there is a lot of context and background and nuance to franchising that a lot of people i think take for granted a little bit yes it's definitely unique that's for sure yeah um so let's let's move on to franchise cloud then so um I've had a little look on the website and I think I've got a fair grasp of what it is. But for, for people listening in, how did, or what was the problem that meant you decided to create Franchise Cloud? Yeah, so we, obviously we've been working, Coconut as a whole has worked in franchising for a long time. Um, and it's worked with a lot of different franchisors. Um, as part of that, we we get to talk to lots of different franchisors or you know their business development managers or their regional guys or, and franchisees about various problems that they have i think one one upshot of when you are like a marketing company is generally nowadays there's a lot of technology involved in that so for one reason or another over quite a long period of time we ended up just i i ended up sort of having a lot of conversations with people about their CRM setups, how their data is stored, cloud storage, like how this, you know, getting servers set up, like how do you actually manage all, you know, manage all this stuff, even, you know, from a lot of, a lot of really big companies of just running everything from Excel sheets, you know, it's, it's quite surprising, but it's, it's true. And I, and we also spoke to quite a lot of people who were using franchise specific products, um, that were, a sort of combination of quite old technology that couldn't really be changed or customized or um, or made uh, kind of, you know, made unique to that particular franchise's kind of operating uh, methods. Um, or they were, or if they did have a little bit more customization to them, it was very, very expensive, um, sort of pro- prohibitively, unless you were, you know, a really, really big kind of multinational um, kind of outfit. So I, in my, cause obviously we'd built Astonish, you know, 13, 14 years ago. So software development, something that I've done quite a lot of and done a reasonable job of it, I think. Um, so in my head, I've always, I've been looking, you know, since we sort of built Astonish and, and that sort of has been there, I've been looking for something to kind of then focus that onto because so because the one thing especially with sort of online software is obviously in terms of a business model it's a it's a if you get it right and you get product market fit and you do you you know and you do provide like a genuine value to the customers and it's really genuinely really useful it's just a it's a really good it's a really good market to be in um so there is a you know it's not just there's Obviously, there is an altruistic thing of like, I love solving problems. So to be able to talk to someone and they tell me a whole bunch of their problems and then I can go, well, cool, we've got this thing that solves, you know, 75% of those and I can probably help you with some of the others um, with a little bit of, you know, kind of jiggery pokery. Um, it like that's it's a great feeling. Like I really like doing that again in my yeah. problem solving kind of mode. That's that's where a lot of this comes from. 
Um, but similarly, so it's just, it does tick all the boxes from that from those point of view. So in terms of like what it actually is, I was going to say what does yeah, it what, do? <laughs> what does it actually do? Um, so most businesses obviously um, will have some sort of CRM system which helps them manage. You know, it's not always just contacts and marketing things, but they'll have some sort of data reporting, data input, those kind of things. Um, and a lot of those don't like they work in the context of one business and one entity, um, but they sort of, they start to fall down if you are a franchise where you have a head office, and then you could also have a re, you know that you could have elements of maybe there's multinational at the top level, then there's national, then there's regional, then there's franchisees. Um, or you could just have national and franchisees, or you could have franchisees and regional. And there's a whole combination of different makeups that can go in that can go into how a particular franchise is set up. So, although the organisational structure is similar with a lot of these businesses, their actual day-to-day -day working practice are, practices are completely different. Yeah. Um, so what we tried to do is kind of build a system that would know all of those things, and be able to be kind of told that actually like this particular type of organization has um uh, a marketing manager they have an accounts person they have um uh, say it's someone that works in the children's sector like they have teachers that teach particular types of lessons all of those different types of people are going to need to access different files different information different resources different training different like and you also sort of need a bit of a context of like well who's seen what who's read these documents who's ticked this box to say they've accepted these things like there's a whole bunch of stuff which is essentially for a lot of these businesses a lot of franchises is essentially being done manually so we kind of looked at it and said well what if we create something where we build out this really great functional strong kind of resilient structure of functionality but we know that all of these businesses operate in slightly different ways so then we just kind of left a layer it's not like we've made we've built 90% of it and then we left 10% unbuilt. We've built it all. Um, it's been working internally for two years. We've been using it internally for two years with our um, with our customers at Coconut. Um, and that's, that's quite a long testing period, isn't it? I mean, I'm not. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it, it is. I think obviously you also have to con put the pandemic into the context of how long these things yeah. sort of take and go on, because obviously. One of the things that became very apparent when we were talking to people was that up until probably the last few months, a lot of people haven't really been in, it's still in a position to kind of go, yeah, actually, I'd like to fundamentally change how we're operating our internal mechanisms. Yeah. Um, that is now starting to sort of come out of it a little bit. And then we've got massive inflation just to, just, <laughs> just to throw another spanner in the works. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I mean, um, I, I know from experience, I've tried to take um, external software and implement it into a franchise for franchise recruitment. So I was, I was part of the team that were, were implementing it. And it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like trying to, I suppose it's the the the, uh, the, the circle into a round peg into a square hole yeah. kind of analogy. You know, I just feel like I'm <laughs> constantly just trying to smash the thing in. And, and as you're pushing something in, something else popped out and it didn't work. Yeah. Because it wasn't designed for a franchise business, uh, and so it it created a lot of complications, a lot of headaches, to be honest. Uh, yes, and, um, it's a hundred percent. And I think that's the um, like I think I, I I call it like Frankenstein system. So that's kind of what you end what a lot of companies end up with because they do have to sort of make compromises 
in a lot of different areas, you end up with sort of various different systems kind of bolted onto each other. You know, people are downloading manual reports from one thing and uploading them into another place. There's lots of, and every separation you have in those things is like a hole for somebody to just forget to do a thing or not upload the thing or somebody doesn't do this or someone forgets this part and it can have big kind of knock-on effects to things. Um, so, I mean, but I think the main, like, if I was to sort of try and sum it up, um, is that, you know, we've had CRM systems for businesses for a long time. Um, so I think, and I'm, I'm hoping this will cotton on, but I think this is going to be like one of the first like FRM systems. So it's like franchise relationship management for relate, you know, for managing all of those things. Yeah, um, I like that term. In, internally and externally. Um, so, so what sets it apart from other CRM providers or software providers in the franchising space at the moment? Because I'm seeing more and more sort of pop up. Yeah, 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 maybe because there was a lot of time over COVID to go and investigate these things. Definitely. Right? But, um, yeah. What what kind, what do you think is the big differentiator for franchise cloud? Um, well, I think one of the main. I mean, one of the main things is that you can never just start using it like today. Um, there's a like, and I th to be honest as well, Coconut. For the reason we've done it this way is Coconut has always has kind of always worked this way. So like Coconut will never just go, um, right? Okay, you want to do some advertising? Cool. Here's how much it's going to cost. Um, generally speaking, there's a, like a discovery day type thing that we'll do with somebody, a strategy meeting, um, which you, the client pays for yeah. and we'll sort of run through a whole process of like literally every, like what they're doing, their structures, what the personnel are doing within those structures. Like there's a whole thing we run through and we've, we've, we've replicated the whole thing for franchise cloud too. Um, so essentially we all run through like all of the systems, like where's your data held? What needs reporting on? Where are you pulling that? Like, are you pulling in all of that information from anywhere in particular at the moment? Um, uh, what mark, you know, there is some technical, you know, for the digital marketing stuff that can be factored into the system too. Um, but essentially it is a, it's a place where you can kind of run all of those kind of threads of a franchise business in one place. We can, yeah. So it's that it's to give you as a franchisor, it's to give you that kind of top level view of everything that's going on to the, to the point of being able to see, you know, which franchisees have looked through the, all of the training materials. So like a so just just to give an example, um, we had a kind of recurring thread in the conversations we were having with franchisors where just providing answers to franchisees was an issue. Um, and they would have Facebook groups that were set up for those sort of communications. There would, you know, some of them use ticketing systems. There's there's a whole load of yeah. different ways of solving the problem. But actually, when you sort of, when I sort of then not pushed back on the question, but I would sort of say to them, okay, well, you know, is it do you think it's usually some sort of usual suspects? Like, are there just people who basically can't be bothered to learn the answers to those questions? So therefore, whenever something comes up, two weeks later down the line, they just ask the same question again. And more more than a handful of people have come back and gone, actually, it is, there's like three or four people that just consistently are just coming and trying to get that information from other people. Um, and I said, well, that's great, because what, what the system would let you do is you load all of your resources, all your operations manual, all of your training resources, marketing resources, anything you need, you can load into the system. Um, and then you can see what every user is looking at. So you can see like whether they've looked at particular documents, yeah. Um, we can go as far as to have like tick boxes if there's like training resources so someone can read through the thing you can load videos in images in but whatever content and you need um, and then you'd be able to tick you know when the franchisees then run through it or their staff or their you know teachers or whoever it is um, within their business are running through those training materials you can then keep a track of well, who has been through the training who's acknowledged everything so it's it's just try and give as bigger 
as sort of more as most a direct view into the kind of internal workings because essentially when you are a franchisor i think and i haven't spoken to quite a lot of them now i think i've got a pretty good grasp of this like it's almost like herding cats there's so many different like or keeping plates spinning there's so many things going on all the time actually having a really good sense of like what's happening right now is really hard um which obviously when you need to make good business decisions is something that's really critical so um I, I'm hearing a lot of how this benefits the franchisor, mm-hmm. which is, is is pretty cool. And there's other things that I've I've noted down here, like uh, there's a network directory for yeah. other franchisees to interact with each other, and there's messaging that's secure, and um, marketing tools, payments are all done through the system, which I think are all really really cool. Um, but what do you think is the main benefit to franchisees? So not the franchisor, but the franchisees. I think. Um... I think just having every, it's that thing of having everything in one place. So we can also, for, you know, for all the customers we've got on so far, everybody has some external links. So it's even thing, like when you work in and around technology stuff, you kind of, you take for granted, even like most people don't actually know how to bookmark things in their browser properly, like genuinely, like they really don't. Um, so it's just having one place that they can go to to log in and it will give them a link. You can give them links to then everything that they need to do, whether there's specific information resources or particular legislation or particular government forms they need to fill out, whatever it might be, you can direct them to all of those places. Um, if you, if they need to like input data on like monthly report, you know, monthly reporting on their revenue numbers or, you know, cause sometimes that isn't all automated, you know, surprisingly quite a lot, it's, it's sort of a manual, uh, manual process. All of those kind of things can be done within the system. So from the franchisee's point of view, it's just a case of giving them one place to go to. They can also ask questions in that place. So they can ask questions that go direct to the franchisor. Um, they, and obviously those replies will come directly straight back to them, um, which again, just stops that kind of, you know what it's like, you sort of, you email somebody and ask a question, they reply, that's great. Like two and a half months later, when you sort of then think, oh, actually, what was the answer to that question? Like yeah. going, you going back and dig, trying to dig through. So it's like keeping all those critical pieces of communication in one place. Cool. And, and, I, and I know from, from my own experience of setting up a, a business that uh, it can get really uh, difficult for your brain to keep up with where everything is in, in, in the tech stack that you're using. You know, you've got communications over here with maybe Google and then I'm using Word on Microsoft and then I'm going over here for something else. and so, so having yeah, all, the, all the essentials, the, the critical stuff, like you say, in one place for the franchise. Yeah, and, but even like managing those things as well. So like we um, we work in, we were working with one franchisor quite recently um, who was basically having a person, a, like a member of staff at head office, pretty much spending not all of their time, but I'd say the majority of their time just managing permissions on things like Google Drive. Yeah. So they had sort of tra- not transient, uh, like members of staff for the franchisees, but they would have people that would be on for like a term and then not on for a term. So they didn't want, they had to sort of manually go into Google Drive and turn on and off permissions and remove people from certain folders and structures and that, cause that's where all of their information was stored. So so what we've lit- what I literally got them to do was go through and do a bit of an audit and go, right, what's actually relevant? What's, what's old? What can we get rid of? Get to the actual definitive stuff that we need. Then that's all loaded. They then loaded that all into the system into the categories that they've described. So we don't have like when you when you just load up a project in, or when I load up a project in the system, 
like the names of all the different categories and folders don't exist. They're set up specifically for the particular business and their structure and how they work. Um, so we loaded all of that stuff in for them. Um, and then all they do, all they then do is that then the head office can then add the members of staff that they need to. And then we have personas that can just be switched on and off. So it's, it goes from being a, you know, something that's being manually done in Google Drive, whose user interface is horrible to use for anybody that ever has to, yeah, yeah. Um, to something that's very simple that you can just kind of run through and tick on and off. Um, so it's gone from taking, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours a week to a couple of hours a week. Um, and I think that's where what we're quite keen to do from now going forwards, because obviously the system, like systems, I don't think a system on this is ever necessarily finished. Um, because, you know, we, we're constantly now having conversations with different franchisors that are highlighting different issues and different problems. And it might be that they just haven't quite considered that there could be a technological answer to some of these questions. Um, so when we have those conversations, if it turns out there's some commonalities in those things and there's like a core functionality that could solve quite a few of them with that little customization layer over the top, I think that's where, you know, that it could be that the most useful thing that it's going to be in franchise cloud doesn't actually exist yet because we we haven't had you know enough of those conversations and obviously we're we're we focused on this country so far because we are this is where coconut is and coconuts relationships are um but there's absolutely no reason why this can't be used by any franchise organization in the world so we're going to be having a lot more conversations and they're going to have different legislation issues and all those kind of things so, so. This, this is ideal for you then isn't it ideal for you personally then because um it's an ongoing problem to solve isn't it there's always another problem coming through which is yeah it's is where you seem to to thrive and enjoy but it's great for the franchisors because uh, it can be tailored and be you know and develop as their business develops and finds yeah. these new challenges so i think it's yeah it's making that that kind of relationship between the two parties and um yeah, it's it's almost like that franchise or franchisee relationship, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You're you're partnering them in a way to help yeah, them with ongoing yeah, hundred percent. It's yeah, it's never it will never it it wouldn't. I, to be honest, I think unless unless you have a really specific need, so like if you need to take payments, then whatever business it is, particularly with Stripe Connect, like you could use Stripe and you could take payments and you can have a like you can have a parent child relationship within Stripe using yeah. Stripe Connect. So that's a very specific use of a one product where you can basically just go and within a couple of hours be signed up. But I think where where you, there are all of these different organizational factors that come in, like there there shouldn't be an off the shelf product that will work in that situation because you can't you can't anticipate the hundreds of probably thousands of variables that are in that are in play. Um, so I think that's where there'll always be, like if anyone ever wants to talk to us about Franchise Cloud, um, there will always be a conversation to be had. And there's always, there's also like massive value for us just in having conversations with people about the technology stuff. So even though they, someone might decide that actually it's not quite for them or they're okay at the minute and it's not so much of a big problem, us just hearing these issues is gonna directly feed into exactly, you know, the, the sort of solutions that come out in the future. Um, and hopefully it does become, you know, it, we want it to be successful. We want to do really well out of it. But the byproduct, the only way it will ever do that is if a whole bunch of franchisors use it and it's really useful and it helps them and it helps their franchisees. So it's kind of, you know, we're sort of dependent on, yeah. we, it's not like we've just built a thing and then gone, there we go, that's it. It's perfect. It will do exactly what you needed to. It's another symbiotic it's, relationship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Excellent. So 
conscious of time now, so I'm going to ask my last three questions to you. Cool. Um, the first one being, um, what funny, weird, or strange stories have you got that you're you're happy to share from your career? Um, I did I did have a think about this the other day. Um, I can't. I think I might have been going back and watching some of your episode, some of your other episodes. And really boringly, I don't think there's been anything particularly weird or strange. Um, it's all been, you know, when you're sat at a computer typing code, mostly. Like, <laughs> I've knocked a couple. Of, I've knocked a few drinks over. You know, <laughs> that, that's about as exciting as it gets. Um, but I think uh, I did think of one thing, which was what did I think of? I think I think the issue. So I do. I remember what it is. So it was it was basically about a thing that I worked on that did really well and saved loads and loads of time. And I got a £50 voucher for it from the employer at the time. And it was more like that was a massive indicator for, like, this isn't a good world to be in. Yeah. But that's not really strange. It's... No, no, no. I, do you know what? I I had a similar kind of thing where uh, I was at a company for for five years and, you know, done, done pretty well. And it was in a commission-based role, so I was getting sort of rewarded for it. Um, but I got a laminated piece of paper saying five congratulations on your five years and, <laughs> and 50 pounds. And at the time I was earning thousands in commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like literally what's the point? 50 pounds. I was like, really? Like take me out for a meal. That costs the same, but yeah, yeah. I'd be more appreciated than just 50 pounds into my bank account. It wasn't even in my yeah, hand. Yeah. It was, it was so weird. I don't it? even think I, don't, I didn't. It wasn't 50 pounds. I had It was a 50 pound voucher. So like, so the thing was, I literally built like an intranet system using the website building stuff I was doing for this particular company working in a call center. And it said, like, we worked out that we worked out that it saved 18,000 hours a year in this particular department, because it's quite a big, quite a big tool. So it basically just brought all the information into one place, which is a recurring theme, um, rather than having to phone loads of people to find out the information. So it just like centralized everything. And, um, yeah, so we went through that. There was a big presentation. Like they, they were like, "Wow, this is brilliant." Maybe like we should, we really need to take this concept and like build it out properly into the whole company. Um, but I wasn't involved in that. They were just like, "Brilliant, thanks for that." And then go back to the call center, and here's a fifty pound. I think yeah. it might have been a Waitrose voucher or something like that. But I was just kind of like, "Yeah, this you is don't not get people. <laughs> this is not. This <laughs> is not. Is, yeah. I don't want to live here anymore." Um, <laughs> cool. So. Um, let's let's jump on to um, your your the next question then, and it might be oh, it's going to be very different to that answer I think. Um, but what's been your proudest or most inspiring moment? I think probably just getting uh, getting through the last few years. I think it's been it's been like I, I think it was obviously I was coming to chat to you today. Like I I, I thought to myself like, I can list you know. My timeline is now shot to pieces, I think, as a consequence of the last two years. So I can't actually remember like when anything specifically <laughs> happened. But I think just getting through it and everyone sort of still being around. Like obviously we had to make some massive adaptations really quickly. Um, you know, like like you know, when the first lockdowns kicked in, like we lost a massive swathe of our business, like within a week. Um so we had to make some really big changes. Which we did, um, but we kept everyone like we kept everybody. We kept everyone there. Kept everyone working. Cool. So, final question then. Um, now, I, I, I'm always trying to look for a perspective from somebody who's potentially joining the franchising industry as a franchisee. So, for anybody who's potentially going to invest in a franchise license, um, no matter what brand it is, what would your one piece of advice be? 
I think from the from the franchise recruitment work that Coconut has done a vast amount of over the last 20 years, I would definitely just say that make sure that it is a a fit personality wise with the with I mean obviously there are going to be different personalities at the head office, but usually a really good franchise brand will you know the leader of that will instill sort of elements of their own personality into the business and into the staff that are that are in and around it. Um, so sort of given the choice between something that might make you a little bit more money, but something that feels like you like those people and that you fit in with those and you kind of recognize some of the traits that you value in people in them, I would 100% say that that's the, like if we also interview a lot of franchisees when we do start working with people about what's good and what's bad and those kind of things. And I think that's the bit. It's like it's being part of that team and feeling like you're supported and you've got that sort of network there. Um, I think that would be the main thing is just make sure that that's absolutely right. Obviously, financials are are, are yeah, really important. Um, but if it, if that's not right, it's really hard to kind of, it's really hard to fix that problem. Fantastic. Adam, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure no. speaking with you and, and getting to know the other Adam from Coconuts. So yeah. uh, thanks for your thanks, time. Thanks, Ed. No worries, mate. Take care. All right, so that was my conversation with Adam Knight from Coconut Marketing. And uh, again, like I always say, what a lovely, lovely conversation. Really nice guy, really interesting as well to hear his kind of backgrounds and, and how he found out that he was a problem solver. I think a lot of people um, see a problem and just go, oh, this is too difficult, can't be bothered with this. It's someone else's problem, I don't care. Um, but he's really not like that and I think you could see when, when he was talking about the conflict of working with Lloyds and helping them to save money but ultimately it was, it was at the detriment of, of other people but because he's so good at solving problems you know, he, he found a solution for, for Lloyds anyway um, so that was interesting but I think looking back at his career as well and understanding where he perhaps had some weaknesses he's okay with me saying that um, but they're they're now being complimented by a team of people that he's working with and I think his relationship with Adam Lovelock really seems to be the the kind of key to that initially or, or key to understanding that actually you need some form of symbiotic relationship to make some success and um, when while we're talking about that I kind of had that realization that actually that's what a franchise is it's um, it's a group of people that can step in and help you to build a successful business in areas where perhaps you, you don't have the ability to do it yourself so maybe that's coming up with the idea of a business and showing you the path on how to make it successful and not to go off path you know off track um, having the processes in place I know for many people creating processes is so difficult and and it's a real maze, you know. Um, they'd rather be out there meeting people and, and forming connections. Whereas for other people, that's that's a real challenge. So franchise brands, if you find the right one, because they're all different, all offer different support and, and training, but the right franchise brand can be the kind of jigsaw piece that kind of makes your puzzle complete, so to speak, which I think is really interesting. And um, yeah, it's a, they're definitely symbiotic relationships because the franchise brand 
is not successful without successful franchisees. So, um, yeah, really important and interesting um, topic I think we covered there. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, if you did, make sure you go and check out some of the other episodes, some interesting conversations with founders from franchises um, and other experts from around the industry. Um, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on here. We also have a YouTube channel as well, so you can watch all the, uh, the interviews. Um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we've got presence on there as well. So uh, giving out advice and and uh, information from the franchise and industry so um, please go check us out there obviously we've got a website www.thefranchised.com so make sure you take a look on there as well and then finally um, final shout out goes out to Symphony the sponsors of the podcast without them uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible so make sure you check them out and their services to franchisees and franchisors um, in and around lead generation so visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised so thank you very much for listening really appreciate it and i'll catch you on the next one bye bye